Coming up on today's Locked On Dodgers, we take a look at the 2023 Hall of Fame ballot and talk about a new rule happening in one of the independent leagues. That's what's on tap, so make sure to keep it Locked On Dodgers. You are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yo, 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 Dodger fans. Welcome to Locked On Dodgers. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. Locked On, your team every day. This is a daily podcast covering the world, not the World Series Champions, covering the Los Angeles Dodgers. Bringing you the smart fans' perspective on our boys in blue. I'm Vince Samperio, Chavez, Reen Fiends, here rolling solo for the day. Jeff will be having a guest on tomorrow's episode, so uh, I let him have the day off. And, yeah, like I mentioned, we're going to talk about the 2023 Hall of Fame ballot. There's a few names that are tied to the Dodgers. None that are probably going to be Hall of Famers, but uh, still good thing to talk about. And then we're going to talk about a little bit about the new extra innings rule that's happening in the Frontier League which is essentially going to become sudden death baseball after the 10th inning. Before all that, I just want to thank you and remind you to make Lockdown Dodgers your first listen of the day every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, wherever you get podcasts, and we're free. So there's really no drawbacks to subscribing or following or or anything else that you can do to listen every day. Uh, but yeah, so Jeff talked about the 2022 Hall of Fame ballot. David Ortiz is the only one that got in. And now we're going to look ahead to the next ballot. And the next ballot, honestly, is in terms of Hall of Fame qualification, it's one of the weaker ballots. There's only one player that's probably going to get in. I don't think he's going to get in first ballot uh that's carlos beltran i do believe you know carlos beltran obviously had a rocky end to his career and beginning or not even to his career he had a rocky start to his post career he's going to be the manager of the mets uh the astros cheating scandal was released he was one of the main scapegoats and he was not manager of the mets and then he is still not a manager anywhere, even though the other guys that got fired, Hinch and Cora, both came back. So it's going to be interesting. You know, Carlos Beltran is not a like a surefire Hall of Famer, I would say. I would say he's you know probably a Hall of Famer, more than likely. Uh, and he's a guy who I'm not going to – I'm not. I don't know how the voters are going to treat him. I don't think they'll discount it too much just because, you know, if he – the only time he got caught cheating was with the Astros. That was an intricate cheating system. And, you know, even if he was the one that came up with it, I, it didn't appear to happen anywhere else. So I don't know if, if, you know, I don't think it happened anywhere else. He was obviously a guy that uh, was looking for advantages all the time. I'm sure he was a guy that was good at, at picking signs and things like that, but that's all good and, and well. And, yeah, I, I'm interested to see how they're going to treat him for – the 2017 Astros cheating scandal. I think, if anything, I don't think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer anyway, so I don't think he's going to get in first ballot now especially, but he'll get in eventually. But then you go down the list, and a lot of names of guys that were just okay. You know, John Lackey, 
Jared Weaver, Jacoby Ellsbury, Matt Kane, Johnny Peralta, J.J. Hardy, Mike Napoli, like a bunch of guys that were notable names, I guess, if you watched baseball, if you didn't, or if you only watched Dodgers, then and only a couple of those names even stand out to you just because you probably, you know, John Lackey probably didn't like them. We remember Justin Turner hitting the, the walk-off home run against him in, in, the, in the playoffs that one year. Jared Weaver, the Dodgers beat one time without getting hit off of him. So, you know, that's always fun to remember. But a bunch of those other guys are just are just guys, just baseball guys. I don't see a lot of them making it over the 5% threshold. And, yeah, it's kind of an underwhelming uh, 2023 class. But what we're going to talk about is the guys with Dodger ties. And realistically, none of them are going to be Hall of Famers. But I guess we can talk – instead of talking are they going to be Hall of Famers – Will they make it over the 5% threshold and and stay on the ballot for longer than one year? The biggest name being Andre Ethier. Andre Ethier retired in 2017. His five years are up. He's is going to be a first time on the ballot. And, yeah, I mean, Dodger fans, we love Andre Ethier. We've talked – I talked about him being the new team ambassador. He's really endeared himself the last few years as as kind of the, the alum that is – is the guy that still hangs around, not not in a bad way. That that's made it sound bad, but uh, the team ambassador, and and he's a guy who you know spent his whole career with the Dodgers and had a pretty solid career, had a pretty some pretty good years in there. But when it comes down to Hall of Fame, yeah, no no shot at being a Hall of Famer. I will say, I don't even think he's gonna make the five percent threshold, but. Yeah, I don't think he's going to make the 5% threshold because I was going to say that uh, since, you know, Bonds, Clemens, Sosa, Schilling all fell off, David Ortiz got voted on, that there, you know, that's five spots that don't need to be accounted for next year. And there's not like 10 for sure, surefire names that are going to be on the ballot. But, you know, it would take, I don't know how many of the writers that vote for Hall of Fame are, are from LA or from the LA beat or were on the LA beat. You know, maybe they give Ethier a sympathy vote, but I just can't see him staying on. I mean, you look at somebody like Tory Hunter, who you know legitimately had a better career than than Andre Ethier in terms of how many years he played, in terms of numbers, in terms of being a better defender, and he got five point three percent only. You got a guy like Bobby Abreu, who some might argue should be a Hall of Famer. Um, he's only at 8.6%. So as much as we love Andre Ethier, he just doesn't have – he didn't have the longevity, didn't have the peak, didn't have the numbers, doesn't have a lot of things to check off in terms of a Hall of Famer. I don't think he's going to make the 5% threshold, but he's uh, – you know, the Dodgers don't – the Dodgers, they have the – what is it? The Ring of – what the Ring of Honor. Maybe one day we'll see Ethier in the Ring of Honor. Um you know, that's kind of where they've been putting players that haven't made the hall. They don't retire their number, but, you know, they're, Fernando's Valenzuela's in there. So that's maybe where he'll be not going to make the 5% threshold, I don't think. But if he does, congrats to him. Uh, that means he made a good enough impression on enough people, but I don't think it's going to happen. I'm going to come and talk about a little bit, or I'm going to talk about more of the players with Dodger ties. That'll be first time on the ballot in 2023. But first, let's talk about Bilt Bar. Bilt Bar is the best tasting protein bar out there. 
And January is about to wrap up, and I don't know how you guys did it with your New Year's resolutions, especially if it was about getting fit. But if you want to get a new start, February, February 1st, 2022, you want to get a new start, make a start with Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like candy bar, low calorie, low sugar, low carbs, high protein, high fiber, everything you could want in a protein bar, anything you could want in a, in a chocolate bar, realistically. They got great flavors. They're all covered in chocolate. You can replace it as a dessert, as breakfast, as, you know, a protein bar, as a snack in the middle of the day, whatever you need it for, Built Bars there. And right now you can get 15% off your order with the promo code LOCKED15. That's promo code LOCKED15 at Built.com with the promo code. Oh, wait. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, let's move on. Uh, Ethier was the most notable Dodger name on there. That's Dodger specific. There's a few other guys that were just kind of kind of lump in together here. That's in the next tier. I guess the next tier was a guy that was more known for his time with the Dodgers, uh, but still not a guy that's going to meet the five percent threshold. That's Jonathan Broxton. And honestly, if you would have told me that Broxton and Ethier retired the same year. I, I would have figured Broxton's been retired for like eight years now. So uh, today I learned that Jonathan Broxton retired the same year as Andre Ethier. Uh, we know Broxton as the closer for the Dodgers early in his career, came up that, in those years with the baby Dodgers. Uh, he was a two-time All-Star with the Dodgers. He went on to play with a few other teams after that. Um, had varying success uh, the rest of the way. Unfortunately, as Dodger fans, you probably remember Jonathan Broxton as the guy that would come in against the Phillies and uh, not fare well against Matt Stairs and other people on that team. And that's unfortunately what we think about with, with Jonathan Broxton. Uh, if it's not your first thought, it's one of your first thoughts probably. But either way, you know, a solid career for him, you know, 13 years in the big leagues. He had 118 saves, nothing, you know, groundbreaking. He never was really a closer after he left the Dodgers, he was a closer, I think, one year after he left the Dodgers with the Royals. But then after that, he just was a reliever. Um, definitely not going to reach a 5% threshold. Definitely a name I haven't thought about in a while. But Jonathan Broxton, salute to you. You made it. Uh, for those of you that don't know or are asking, like, why we're, what, like you know, why is Jonathan Broxton nominated or, or however you're thinking, it's not a nomination process. If you're a major league player that played more than 10 years, then you are eligible for the Hall of Fame. So that's where it sits. It's not a matter of how good you were. The next Dodger tie, first time on the ballot in 2023, Joe Blanton. Joe Blanton, we remember from the one year that he was with the Dodgers where he, or not the one year he was with the Dodgers, but for one specific year when he was with the Dodgers and he was really good. Uh, he was with the Dodgers in 2012, uh, was okay that year. They got him, I think, at the deadline or around the deadline. Um, he didn't do that great. But when he came back in 2016 as a reliever, 2480 RA, he was really, really good. Uh, and But unfortunately, again, for him, we remember something bad that happened in the postseason. He was the guy, go-to guy all year in the bullpen. And then when it came to the postseason, he allowed, what, the Grand Slam, I believe, to uh, Carlos Montero against the Cubs in the playoffs that year. I believe that's what it was um, in the NLCS. So that's what we remember. He ended up having a pretty bad NLCS overall. Gave up seven runs in three innings. So 
the, the magic ran out, but we'll always remember Joe Biden, regular season Joe Biden from that year, and we'll have to block out everything else. Another guy who is not going to meet the 5% threshold, uh, but had a little small part of Dodger history or Dodger, whatever you want to call it, uh, and is the first time on the ballot. The next guy that is on there is Carlos Ruiz. Carlos Ruiz, we remember from the time when the Dodgers were picking up all the old Phillies that beat them in, in the 2008 and 2009 uh, NLCS. Carlos Ruiz, the Dodgers got him for A.J. Ellis back in 2016 at the deadline. He played, you know, I will, so I guess well is subjective. He had a 683 OPS, but he had that one big hit in the NLDS against the Nationals. He was the guy that was behind the plate when Kershaw came in and closed out that game and got to hug Kershaw. And he was a guy probably a lot of people had different feelings about it, especially if you were an A.J. Ellis fan. Uh, because, like I said, he got traded for AJ Ellis and kind of became came in and, and was that guy. But uh, if you know me or if you've heard before, you know, AJ Ellis, I'll say he was traded for a reason. And Carlos Ruiz wasn't part of that, was, you know, an upgrade in, in more than just on the field in terms of that year. So shout out to Carlos Ruiz, another guy, not going to get the 5% threshold, but. Shout out to him. He had a, a pretty solid career there as a catcher in the majors. The next guy with a Dodger tie on this list is a guy that I don't know how many people remember that he was a Dodger, but Jason Worth, Jason Worth, uh, most people remember him with the Phillies and the Nationals maybe. That's where he had his most success. But he started, not started, but he was with the Dodgers early in his career. Could never stay healthy, uh, ended up heading to the Phillies, and, and that's where his career kind of took off a little bit. Uh, was an all-star one time, had some MVP votes through the years, uh, but did play with the Dodgers for two years, didn't do too much. In, in 2004, he had a decent year with the Dodgers, had 825 OPS and 89 games, but like I said, was, was constantly getting hurt and, and struggling in that aspect. So a guy who had... 15-year career in the big leagues, which is nothing to blink at. And also another guy that's not going to meet the 5% threshold that you need, but a guy nonetheless. And that's going to do it for guys that played on the Dodgers unless... Yeah, that's going to do it for guys that played on the Dodgers in terms of guys that are going to be on the ballot in their first year. We talked about Lackey and, you know, giving up the home run to Turner. Jared Weaver, the Dodgers beat him without getting a hit. Matt Cain is going to be on there. Matt Cain was a guy that faced the Dodgers a lot because he was on the Giants, but there's not really any emotional ties there. I don't remember anything specific about Matt Cain. Oh, Bronson Arroyo, I guess, is one other guy who technically has Dodger ties. He never physically pitched for the Dodgers, but he was a member of the Dodgers for a few hours or a day or however long it was before uh, they traded for him. And then, I don't know, he, we, well, they got him at the deadline. He didn't pitch for the Dodgers, and they let him go after the season. So shout out, Bronson Arroyo. You were uh, a great Dodger um, and somebody that we appreciate here as Dodger fans. So salute to Bronson Arroyo. He's the final guy with Dodger ties. And the rest of the guys do not have Dodger ties. There's other names. Francisco Rodriguez, Ubaldo Jimenez, 
R.A. Dickey, Stephen Drew, who there's a couple brothers, Stephen Drew, J.D. Drew's brother, Eric Ibar. I think the Dodgers had, I forget who his brother was, but they had the other Ibar brother, uh, Willie Ibar. So, yeah, that's that's the Dodgers ties to the 2023 Hall of Fame ballot. Nobody that's probably going to make the 5% threshold, let alone the Hall of Fame, but a salute to them nonetheless. And yeah, we'll see what happens. There's obviously still a bunch of guys that will be that are on the ballot with Dodger ties that are trying to get voted in. There's Andrew Jones, who doesn't have great Dodger ties, but he's getting closer to getting in. Gary Sheffield, who's very good with the Dodgers. He might get closer to getting in. Jeff Kent's coming up on his last year. I don't know if he's going to make the jump from 32% to 75%, but hey, you never know. Manny Ramirez is still on there. He's hovering around 30%. I don't know if he'll end up getting in. And then Jimmy Rollins, who was a Dodger uh, for a year. So, yeah, there's still those guys on the ballot. Uh, if you're looking at next year, you know, it seems like Scott Rowland might get in. It's very possible Todd Helton and Billy Wagner make a jump from their 52 and 51%. I don't know if they'll make a jump high enough to get in, but they'll definitely make a jump to get in eventually. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but that that's it for the 2023 potential Hall of Fame ballot. I'm going to talk about there's a new rule in the Frontier League, which is an independent league, which is partnered with MLB. With extra innings, that's going to make extra innings uh, not last long. So we're going to talk about that. But first, let's talk about BetOnline. BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year. As sports and teams continue their marches into the playoffs and beyond, you got football heading into the conference championships. You got basketball and hockey coming up on the midseason point or the all-star break. You got a bunch of other sports that are always going on year round. And Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering in 2022. They got a new website. Go check it out on your laptop and mobile device today. And guess what? If you sign up and lock, you sign up, put a put a deposit in. And use the promo code locked on, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on top of that deposit. All you gotta do is go to Bet Online, use the promo code locked on, and get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait, take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet Online is the easiest and fastest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, let's wrap up here with uh, interesting because we got a question about it, and I'm not sure when. Uh, we got a question about it from a listener that was listening to the Effectively Wild podcast about a potential like sudden death baseball. And then we had one, or the Frontier League, which is an independent league that's now partnered with MLB had just announced that they were doing a sudden death style extra innings baseball. So I'm not sure when the effectively wild podcast was, but Ian Lafferty at Ian Lafferty 83 asked us extra inning idea. If you flip a coin, the winner picks offense or defense. If the offense scores, that team wins. If no score, then the defensive team wins game over and half an inning thoughts. Like I said, I'm not, sure if this was before or after the frontier league announced what they were going to do but this is essentially what they're going to do uh the frontier league will play one extra inning so they'll play the 10th inning with the international tiebreaker rule which is what i believe to be just the runner on second 
if there's no winner after that one extra inning, then the top of the 11th will be sudden death, kind of. Not necessarily sudden death because it's not first one to score, but it's one half inning to determine the winner. The home team gets to choose whether they want to bat or whether they want to pitch. If you pitch, you have to not allow a run, and you win. If you bat, you have to score a run, and you win. The one thing on offense is that you do get a runner at first base uh, because they have have to kind of even it up because it's a lot easier to prevent a run than to score a run. So adding the runner at first base tries to give you a little bit more incentive to maybe pick offense. And, you know, Jeff, when we talked or when it came up on Twitter, Jeff was like, you know, fun, more sacrifice bunts, which, yeah, at the end of the day, there probably will be more sacrifice bunts. But it's not a matter of making the game more fun. I don't think it's a matter of letting games end faster. Uh, I don't think they care that if, you know, either way, if there's a sacrifice bunt, the game's going to be done in like 15 minutes or less, probably less. So at the end of the day, it's interesting uh, because, you know, right away you think, well, I probably still pick defense because you're one pitch away from two outs. And that's very possible. And, and, you know, with the caveat of it being the frontier league, which is an independent league, by the ninth inning, I don't know what type of arms you got left. You know, there's it's not like you got premium arms anyways at the not premium arms for that league, but not premium in general. Uh, and it's a matter of, you know, there's a strategy play to it because let's just say you exhausted your best pitching. You have a mediocre reliever left. So you're like, eh, I don't really know that. But let's just say you have the middle of your order coming up. You have, you know, two, three, four, five, and your leadoff hitter who got the last out is now on first base. So now you have theoretically speed on first base. You got your two, three, four, five hitters coming up, and you feel like, you know what, I feel like I can score a run a little bit easier than I can prevent a run right now because I don't have my best reliever up or I don't even have a decent reliever up, have my eighth guy out of the pen up and, and ready to go. So. There's some strategy in that sense. I do think, like I said, being in the Frontier League, it'll be more fun. I think it'll be more fun in the Frontier League because you don't know what's going to happen. Like you said, you're, you you have guys that are good at baseball, but they're not, you know, major league caliber for the most part. Uh, there's a little bit more variance there. It's like, you know, high school or even low, some of the lower minor leagues, like, there's a lot of stuff that can happen that would make this one half inning a lot more fun where if this happened in the major leagues, I don't think it would be that fun because theoretically you're, you're, you're going to win on a home run or a double. You might bump it over and try to go for two chances at a single, but you're not going to get like a lot of craziness. You're either going to get one, two, three outs or, you know, you're going to get the games over in two swings. So I feel like – I don't think it would ever reach the major leagues anyways, but I feel like it wouldn't work for the major. But I feel like it's perfect for something like the Frontier League. Even the minor leagues, it's perfect for because you go to some of those Quakes games, uh, if you've been to a Quakes game, and you know some of those games get crazy out of hand. I've seen 10 runs in an inning like multiple times, uh, which is not something I've seen multiple – I mean, not in person. I've seen the Dodgers score 10-plus run, 10 plus runs in an inning multiple times in the last couple of years, but one in person, one not in person. But either way – I think it's perfect for like minor league, like even the lower minor leagues, maybe not, maybe once you get to double, triple A, maybe not, but I think it's perfect for low A and high A and like I said, independent leagues, maybe even high school, uh, you know, some of these, some of these tournaments for the kids. So yeah, it's, uh, 
it's an interesting rule, and I, I kind of like it in terms. Like I said, I like it for what it's in. I like it in the Frontier League. I don't necessarily like it for Major League Baseball, but I like it in the Frontier League. I want to see the strip. You know, I'm not. I'm probably not going to follow up on how strategic it became or anything else. I'm sure if they release stuff during the year or if somebody writes an article about it, then I'll read about it. But if I happen to be around a Frontier League, which there's none in California, I don't believe Frontier League team. It would be pretty cool to go watch and see, you know, how it plays out. You, I would be rooting for a tie at that point, just kind of see how it plays out. But uh, it's interesting, and it's one of the many things we've seen with baseball. You know, MLB had—I don't know if it was this Frontier League or another league that they had last year—that moved the maybe the Atlantic League that moved the mound back. They're moving that back to where it was. I don't think too much changed. They're using these independent leagues that they're partnered with to test out some of these rules. And you know, at the end of the day, I don't see an issue with it. There's some people that were a little upset with moving the mound back. Like, what if there's a guy who, what if there's a guy who, you know, could potentially be go from independent league to major league baseball, or get signed, but he's throwing from a, you know a foot back and not as effective and. He would be effective in the majors, but not as effective here and whatever the case. And, yeah, guys have gone from independent leagues to sign contracts with teams and end up being in the majors. You know, Rich Hill did it. There's been other guys that have done it. But realistically, those independent leagues are just for guys to play baseball. They're not, you know, it might be a last-ditch effort to get into the majors. But, um, you know, if MLB is going to help partner, and I would assume that means some kind of financial help, then – I think it's fair for them to try to test out some of these rules and see if, if they work in these types of leagues that they could potentially work in the majors one day. Uh, I think a lot of the stuff won't ever hit the majors, but I do, you know, they're going to test it and they're going to try it. And I like when stories like this come out and then people are like, Oh, I'll leave the game alone. Blah, blah, blah. These people are never going to watch a frontier league. game. What do you care? You're not, you're never going to watch frontier league game. Now, if you're a diehard, you're going to these games or you live by one of the teams. Okay, maybe like, ah, you're ruining baseball. I can understand. But for the most part, the only reason you know about this is because somebody posted about it. You would have never known without it. It's not going to affect your day-to-day life. It's not going to affect the game of baseball. It's just them testing stuff. And I, for one, don't mind this test, assuming it just stays in those lower independent leagues and maybe even trickles down to like high school and, and other stuff. But that was just what I wanted to talk about. That was it was an interesting new rule and a new wrinkle to baseball. And uh, I will say I'm interested to see how it goes, but realistically, I'm not going to know how it goes unless somebody writes about it. So I'm not going to do any uh, extensive research into it because once Dodgers season starts, I'm all in on the Dodgers. So, But uh, regardless of all that, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen of the day every day. We are wherever you find podcasts and on YouTube if you want to see our faces. If you want to find us on social media, we are on Twitter and Instagram at LockedOnDodgers. Jeff is on Twitter at Snydog. I'm at Vince Samperio. The DMs are open on all those accounts if you need to get hold of us. You can always send us an email, LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com to get a hold of us. You can always leave us a text or send us a text or leave us a voicemail at 323-863-5625. For all questions, comments, concerns, and praise, whatever you have, we are here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be with us when you get in your car or if you're at home. Tell your smart device play podcast, Lockdown Dodgers, and remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. Have a good one.